Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we're, we're progressing through the Gospel of Luke. We've been on an earth walk looking specifically at the teaching of Jesus Christ. And we're coming to chapter 15, and Jesus is, is making the point. There's kind of several things going on here. He's headed to the, for the cross. He's headed towards Jerusalem. He's been interacting with the Pharisees who are more than appalled that he is got the sinners, tax collectors hanging out with him, that he's not just hanging out with the right kind of people, and he gives some illustrations. He gave two parables last week, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, to signify how important people are to God. He's getting into now where he's going to give another parable, another story, that a lot of us know, we've, we've heard it before, if you've been in Sunday school, or we know the terminology, and it's the story of the prodigal son. In fact, when I say terminology, it kind of goes over into our thinking of how we talk today. So a lot of times you'll hear people talk about that they've got a child who's not doing right, and a lot of times the parents, how many of you have heard them say this, the parents will say, that's my prodigal. Well, it's interesting, what the word prodigal means is not how we use it today. The word prodigal means actually wasteful. It means somebody who's wasteful. That's what a prodigal is. Now, we use it to mean somebody who's gone off and done wrong. But that's not really the point of the passage. In fact, when we look at the passage, here I'm going to shock you with this, the prodigal, to be very honest with you, is you and I. The prodigal is every one of us. The prodigal is every one of us and our own tendency to want to do what we want to do, period. Now, we don't struggle with that, do we? How many of you struggle with that, where all you think about is what you want to do? I mean, if you don't struggle with that, ask your wife. Ask your husband. I don't struggle with just wanting my way, do I? I've already told you what the saying is in my house. It's all about you, George. It's all about you. And that's the way it is in your house. It's all about you, is it not? That's what a prodigal is. Now, we're going to see in this story, we're going to take two weeks to look at it, three main characters. We're going to see the younger brother who we're going to look at today. We're going to see the father who is representative of God, God the Father. And then we're going to see the older brother. This week specifically, we're going to look at the younger brother because he is very much an epitome of this attitude. It's my way. It's got to be what I want. And we're going to look and see at this passage what we see about him. Next week, we're going to look at the response of the father. And we're going to also see the response of the older brother. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at verses 11 through 20 today. So let's read these together. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger brother gathered all together and journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, 
and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. He would have gladly have been have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Folks, we can take this section of verses here and we can divide it into three parts. We're going to see, first of all, freedom. The whole issue of freedom. Isn't that what we say, especially when we're young? I can't wait to get out of the house so I can have freedom. Freedom. We're going to see freedom. That's the attitude of the young man here. The other thing we're going to see here is the next section, we're going to see the consequences. There are consequences for his freedom. We're going to see that as well. And then finally, we're going to see sanity. We're going to see sanity. So let's look first of all at the issue of freedom. This story is about a young man. He's the younger brother, so there's an older brother. He's got to set the setting here. He's in a Palestinian culture, agrarian, agriculturally based culture. And the scripture tells us, verse 1, Jesus says he has two sons. The younger son comes to the father and says to the father, Hey, I want my inheritance. I don't want to wait for it. I want my inheritance now. In fact, what we're going to see here in verse 12 is, here's the first point, he is only concerned about himself. He's only concerned about himself. Now, here's what's going on here so that you understand culturally. What's going on, and this is true even to this day in Palestine, is that when this young man comes to his dad and asks him for his portion of an inheritance, let me explain to you what that is, and then let me explain to you what he's doing, what it means. In that day, what happened was is this. When a person died like the father who had something, he would leave his family an inheritance. And what would happen is the scripture recorded that the older son... Not the older daughter, but the older son would receive a double portion. So that meant that the older son would get two-thirds of the inheritance. Older son's making out pretty good, isn't he? That meant then that the other third would be divided among the remaining children. Now this dude only has two sons. So that means that two-thirds of it goes to the older brother and one-third of it goes to the younger son. Now, here's what's going on. The younger son decides, I ain't waiting around for it. I want it now. So he goes to the dad and says, I want my portion now. Now, here's the problem. For you and I, we just think, well, that's a bratty kid. That kid's a brat. It's just spoiled. You spoiled that boy rotten. Here's what I want you to see, though. In their culture, it had a deeper meaning. In their culture, the son is basically saying to the dad, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me what's mine. See, he's only concerned about who, folks? He's only concerned about himself. He's not concerned. I mean, his attitude is, is you know what, Dad? You're taking too long to die. You're taking too long. And life is passing me by. Life is passing. I want what's mine right now. I want what's mine right now. But here's what I want you to see. The interesting thing is, look with me, the last part there, verse 12. So he divided to them his livelihood 
And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the second point. The father let him go. The father let him go. You know, I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, you and I could sit here and argue and say, what's the sense of it? Why did, why did, why did that? I mean, if it was me, I would have said, hey, son, forget it. You just need to wait with the rest of them. I mean, what he said was offensive. But what we see here is that the father lets him go. The father says, okay, you want it that way? Fine. So he goes ahead and divides what he has among his two sons, two-thirds to the older brother, one-third to his son, and he lets his son go. Here's the point, folks, because remember now, who does the father represent in this, in this past story? Who does the father represent? God. Here's what I want you to see. God lets us go when we want to go. You may want to write that down. God lets us go when we want to go. See, here's the thing. A lot of us have this, have this uh, attitude, and I've heard people say, well, God, just, God just wants to squash me. God just wants to ruin my life. God, you know, and it, it's that attitude of, of the rules, and, and, and it just wants to keep me down. No, no, folks, you've got the wrong attitude about God. God says, you know what, you want to do your own thing? You want to have at it? You want to go your own way? You don't want me in your life anymore? Go ahead. God will let you go your way. You need to understand that. He will let you go your own way. You say, are you sure about that? Yeah, listen to this. This comes out of Romans chapter 1. The Apostle Paul writes this. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest to them, for God has shown it to them, for since the creation of his world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that were made, his, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify God, nor were thankful, but became Futile in their thoughts. Now, hold on a second. I want you to remember that because that's going to come out later in our passage here. They became futile in their thoughts. They lost their minds is what he's saying here. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, birds and four-fitted animals and creeping things. Therefore, listen to it. This is the point I want you to see here. God gave them up to their uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among them who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served creature rather than creator who blessed them forever. Amen. For this reason, here's the point again, God gave them up to vile passions. Here's what I want you to see. The point is, is that the Father lets them go. Listen to me. If you want to do your own thing, if you want to thumb your nose at God, you want to thumb your nose at the, at the Father, and you want to go off, I've heard talk to people before, oh, He won't let me do that. No, no. If you want to do it, He'll let you do it. God doesn't keep anybody from sinning. If you want to thumb your nose at God, like the attitude of this young man, He will let you go. He will let you go off the deep end. That's what's going on here. And so that's what He does. Notice with me again. Last part, verse 13. And 
wasted his possessions with prodigal living. The other word there is wasteful, wasteful living. Here's what he did. He indulged his desires. He did what he wanted to do. He did what he wanted to do. I mean, you can picture it. We see this today. You leave home, out from under the roof of mom and dad. I know, I've been there. I mean, I remember what it was like. I wasn't a Christian. I mean, my dad had rules. I mean, rules upon rules. And it's like, you had to be home at 11. Nobody's out after 11. Anybody out after 11 is in trouble. You know what? He was right. But then, I didn't know that. I mean, I'm talking back when McDonald's wasn't open 24 hours. So I didn't have an excuse. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the attitude of the young man. It's like, I'm out from the rules. Freedom! And he does whatever he wants to do. He indulges himself. He wastes what he has. In fact, here's the thing. Immaturity will lead you to things, folks. And here he is. He gets a third of everything that his dad has, and he doesn't know how to handle it. And he wastes it because he's got freedom. Freedom. He's going to do his own thing. But it's interesting because the passage goes on and says there's some consequences. There's some consequences. Here's what I want you to look. Look with me at verse 14. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Here's what I want you to see. The quest for freedom leads to slavery. The quest for freedom leads to slavery. Here's what you don't understand. We see it all the time when we deal with people. Is, is that people will go and they will do whatever. I'm out from under it. I'm done. I'm freedom. And they go and do their own thing. And what ends up happening, that in their quest for freedom to do whatever they want, they're thumbing their nose at God, in their freedom to do whatever they want, they end up in slavery. They end up in slavery. They end up either, they either end up addicted to something, they end up destroying their life in some way, but they end up in slavery. Period. You know, I used a term years ago, it's been a few years since I used a term, is that when you awaken yourself to a new reality, you cannot go back to the old. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you awaken yourself to a new reality, when you awaken yourself to a new reality, whether it's some sinful desire, porn, or alcohol, or drugs, or illicit affairs, or whatever, when you awaken yourself, you can't go back to the innocence of before. It's gone. Now, the desire to go into that was because of freedom. But what ends up happening is is you become enslaved. And so the quest for freedom leads to slavery. In fact, here's the next point. It fits right in. Indulgence always leads to famine. Indulgence always leads to famine. There is always going to be a time where you're going to spend everything, period. I mean, you may have a lot up front, but it's always gone. See, there comes an end to it because you're thinking, oh man, if I just had all this money, it would be okay. No. Because here's the problem. Indulgence, doing whatever you want, when you want it, who cares? Always leads to famine. Always leads to famine. Folks, we've got to understand something. There is such a thing as consequences. There is such a thing as consequences. We've forgotten that, haven't we, kind of in our culture. You know, when I hit my hand with a hammer, it's going to hurt. Do you know what I'm saying? Period. If I do destructive behaviors, what happens? Destruction. And it destroys my life. 
destroys your life. The interesting thing, it never just destroys your life. It destroys others' lives. And here's what happens. Here, look with me at verse 15. Here's what happens. This guy, he's got a third of his dad's wealth. He goes and spends it on wasteful living. He finds himself in famine. And then, think. look with me at verse 15. It's almost unimaginable. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. We're saying, we just got a job. Yeah, but you're forgetting something. This is a Hebrew boy. And to the Hebrews, pigs were unclean. In fact, if you go to Jews today, they don't raise pigs. They don't eat Italian sausage. They don't like bacon. The reality is, is that here's what I want you to see. He finds himself doing the unthinkable. He finds himself doing the unthinkable. You know what, folks? I've heard it through the years. I probably will hear it again. I will meet people and they will say things to me like this. I never thought I would come to this place. I never thought I would be here. I never thought I would be doing this. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If you've heard that. If you're older, you've heard those kind of things. And usually you've heard it from people who have devastated their lives because of something. And they'll say, I, I, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm in this situation. This is not what I wanted. This is not what I dreamed of. Folks, when you want your freedom... And you want to do your own thing. God lets you go and do your own thing. But you've got to understand, when he lets you go, he lets you experience the consequences. And folks, there are always consequences. And sometimes the consequences will bring you to a place where you do the unthinkable. You never thought you would be in this place. That's what we see him here. He finds himself doing the unthinkable. He finds himself doing the unthinkable. In fact, verse 16 tells us this. It says he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. I mean, think about it. I mean, this boy is in such a bad situation. He's there feeding the pigs, and he's looking at their feed longingly. Now, have you ever been around a pigsty and seen what the pigs are eating? I don't long for that. But, but this is how desperate this guy is. He is longing for what this what the pigs are eating why he's desperate for help because nobody's helping him nobody's helping him you know it's it's amazing the correlation there it's it's just like our lives here's what happens we thumb our nose at god we want to do our own thing and what happens is every time we thumb our nose at god and we want to do our own thing we always find ourselves in difficult circumstances, difficult situations because of the consequences. We find ourselves in places that we don't want to be, and then we're desperate, like, will somebody please help me? I can't get out of this. I don't know what to do. There's a desperation there. But I want you to see the final section, because this doesn't happen all the time, but it definitely happened in this young man's life. He found sanity. Sanity. You say, what do you mean, George? Well, remember I told you when I read to you from the passage in Romans chapter 1, it says that they, they, they decided to exchange the glory of God, the truth of God, they decided to thumb their nose at God, and their thinking became futile. Their minds changed. And God gave them over. Remember that? Well, here I want you to see verse, verse 17. Put a star by verse 17 and under, underline... The words, but when he came to himself. Some of your Bibles will read, he came to his senses. I want you to read that. 
I mean, I want you to underline that because that's, that's an important point here. Because here's what's going on. When you're on your own and you're wanting to do your own thing, you lose sense of reality because you're operating in your own reality. And finally this boy gets to the place where things are so bad, things are so desperate, he comes to his senses. He begins to realize what needs to happen. In fact, here's the point. The key is repentance and humility. Because look at what it says there, verse 17. He said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your sons. Make me like one of your hired servants. Here's what's going on. Repentance and humility. Now, I'm explaining to you what repentance is. Repentance is more than just simply believing. Repentance is changing. In fact, here, I'll explain to you, at the heart of repentance is not just a changing of behavior. Primary first before that is a changing of the mind. Because if your mind doesn't change, your behavior is not going to change. Do you understand me? Your mind has to change. And so this boy realizes, he comes to a his mind changes. And he, he says, you know, if I'm, I'm going to go to my dad. I'm going to go to my dad, the father. I'm going to say to him, Father, forgive me, I've sinned against you. And then he humbles himself. Here's a boy who's probably used to, was when he was growing up, probably had servants serving him. Now he says, make me one of your servants. Talk about humbling himself. He humbles himself. He's no longer the guy wanting freedom. He's no longer the guy who wants it his own way. That's what I want you to see about sanity here. He wants to do what he needs to do. He said, okay, George, how, how, do we, how do we apply this to our lives? We're going to close this message now. How do we apply it to our lives? We see this young man. We see his quest for freedom. We see he ends up in consequences. But then, thankfully, he comes to his senses. He finds sanity. How do we apply it? Well, here's a question for you. Who's in control of your life? Who's in control of your life? Is it your way? I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we all have to be there somewhat, haven't we? It's what we want. It's all about me. It's all about you. Who's in control? Well, some of you say, well, it's my kids. No, no, it's you. You're just doing it for your kids. The, the, the reality is, is that who's in control here? Who's in control of your life? Have you thumbed your nose at God and said, God, I know I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my own way. And remember now, He'll let you. He'll let you go and do your own thing. Who's in control? Now, let me explain something to you because it's interesting because it comes out of this passage. You may think you're in control because you might say, well, you know, okay, George, I'm in control. No, no. You might be shocked to find out that you're not even in control. What do you mean? Because here's the point. If you don't allow God to have control, you're allowing something else to have control. Do you understand? This young man was controlled by his desires to want to do his own thing. Ultimately, those desires crushed him. Those desires destroyed him. And he became enslaved to them and the consequences of them. Who's in control of your life? Who's in control of your life? Is it God? Are you spirit-led? Or is it your desires? Who's in control? I think it's interesting. Jesus would say in the Gospels, Take my yoke upon you, for I'm easy. You know what? He's a better taskmaster than our own desires, isn't he? He's a better taskmaster. You say, I don't understand. Talk to anybody who's ever suffered with an addiction issue, they'll tell you. 
Because when your body becomes in control, it is relentless to get what it wants. Period. Who's in control? And what is the evidence of that? You say, what do you mean? You say, I, I, you're sitting there, maybe you don't know who's in control, but what is the evidence in your life of who's in control? Because the reality is, is that whoever is in control is going to be evidence in the way that you live your life. Whoever is in control of you is going to be evidenced in how you live your life. You say, what do you mean? Well, listen to this. Galatians, the Apostle Paul writes this in chapter 5, verses 19 through 23. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, and other things like that which I've told you beforehand, just as I've told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there are no laws. See what the point is? Who's in control of you, and the way you know who's in control of you, what's the evidence of your life? What's the evidence of your life? And here's the thing. You might be saying, well, I still don't get it, George. I still, I still don't see it. Well, then maybe here's what you need to do. Is maybe go to somebody you trust and you care about. Don't necessarily do this with your spouse because they can be crushing sometimes. You ever, ever notice that? When you're, when you're talking to your spouse, they live with you long enough now, they just say it. And, and maybe you can't handle that. But you go to somebody and you say, you know, I'm, I'm really serious. I've, I've really been thinking about what George has said. And, 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 and I really want to know who's in control of me. And what evidence do you see in my life? And, and be open to it because here's the thing. Others will see it. They'll see if you're self-centered. They'll see if you're controlled by something else. Or they'll see if you're led by the Spirit. Because we can deceive ourselves, can we not? And reality is that we... Are controlled. So you say, okay, George, how do we do, what do we do this week with it? Well, here's the action point. Identify the areas of freedom that are enslaving you. What's the areas of freedom that you have that are enslaving you? Is it your football program? I mean, I, know, I guess now they have a, a, a whole channel dedicated to football. Is it football? Is it hunting? Is it a hobby? What is it? Is it food? Is it a drink? Is it alcohol? Is it drugs? Is it sex? What is it the area of freedoms that you have? The things that you've kind of thrown off all constraints from God for that is in your life. What is that area of freedom that's enslaving you? You need to identify it in your life. You say, okay, what do I do with it when I identify it? Here's what you do. When you identify what it is that's enslaving you, you need to come to your senses like the prodigal did. You need to come to the place where, number one, you repent. You need to make a change. Okay, I can't have this happen in my life. And you need to humble yourself. This is what's going on in this young man's life. You know what? You know what a prodigal is, folks? It's all of us. It's all of us. Because we all want our own ways. And then when we face the consequences... You know, there's two choices that happen when you, when you face consequences. You can get angry about them, or you can humble yourself about them and turn to God. What we're going to see is this young man does that. And so next week, here's what's going to happen. When we look at this passage next week, we're going to see what the father does. Remember, it's the same dad 
who basically was told by his son, I wish you were dead. Jesus is going to give us the picture of that next week. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.